1: Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast today. And today we have a very special guest calling in from Virginia, and his name is Dr. Greer. And he's been involved in a a few books and has a new documentary coming out called The Lost Century and How to reclaim it welcome dr greer how are you doing today
2: good thank you glad to be here with you
1: when i looked at your information and and, and understood you're from north carolina a lot of things resonated with me and all oh, you went to app state and so forth very familiar and you being a doctor if you will what led you down this path to get into the material you're exploring today
2: well when i was very young um i was about eight or nine years old charlotte north carolina um and i was out mid-afternoon with some friends and my twin sister and we looked up and there was what the public calls a ufo crystal clear in the day light shining the sun on it um not that far away from us. And it appeared and it just vanished. It didn't move off. It just it literally like it dematerialized right there. Now, so I knew I'd seen something extraordinary. My, uh, of course, parents thought that didn't see anything. <clears throat> By the way, parents should believe their children more. But um, what happened from there, it ignited a lifelong interest in this. So I began looking into it when I was quite young and it coincided with when my uncle, my mom's uh, old oldest brother who also grew up in north carolina went to nc state he was an aerospace engineer for north grumman and back then it was grumman of uh, design he was working on the team that designed the lunar module that the machine that landed on the moon the first time neil armstrong so uh, there was a lot of uh, space interest that i had and coincided with the sign of this ufo so it became a lifelong interest and uh, i proceeded to to build Uh, And I had a major sighting and contact event later in my life when I was 18 up uh, in the mountains of North Carolina, up on Rich's Mountain above Boone, North Carolina, actually. And it was a phenomenal experience, uh, very close up. And I began to realize that we were dealing with... uh, uh, civilizations that were not human, but highly evolved and highly intelligent. And so I began to develop a protocol to uh, attempt to contact them. I'm um, an 18-year-old guy and began to to develop this uh, technique. And, and people can go to a, the app store and, and you'll see there's something called the CE5 Contact. And it's an app that trains people in, in how, how to do this. But what I became convinced of is that these civilizations were totally not hostile and benign. However, they seem to be extremely concerned with the direction humans were going. Now, remember, this would have been... uh October 1973. You know, we almost went to World War III during the Yom Kippur War, you know, people who know the history of that, in the Middle East, et cetera. So I kind of became uh, convinced that uh, there was a big story here that no one knew about, but as an 18-year-old, you know, you don't know what you're going to do with it. And this evolved. I mean, we take the whole hour to tell how I ended up where I am now. But suffice it to say, in 1990, I started a formal uh, institute to research this issue. I, then I'm a doctor. <laughs> I, you know, did a Chapel Hill UNC Chapel Hill residency and was practicing as an emergency doctor in North Carolina. I became convinced that it was time for me to step into this further, and so we did. And I led a CE5 contact team on a expedition. Let's call it down to Florida, and we had four of these UFOs appear in the sky that were filmed and and photographed. One of those photographs ended up on the front page of the Pensacola paper, and that got the attention of the intelligence community, including a friend of the soon-to-be director of the CIA, um, and the head of Army Intelligence General, Albert uh, Stubblebine III. And so I started this uh, project out as sort of starting a a team of humans to be, as it were, let's call them ambassadors to these civilizations, to reach out, research it, make contact. And then it pivoted very quickly to what we call the Disclosure Project, because uh, within about a few months of that event, I found out that there was an illegal secret government, running projects related to this for reasons that were, the best way to put it would be fascistic and uh, criminal. Uh, I was asked uh, in, in December of 1993 to come up here to Washington. I have a home near the White House also and brief the um, sitting director of the CIA uh, for then president, newly inaugurated President Bill Clinton, because he went into office in January of 1993. And that's when my life turned upside down, to be honest, because I realized in the memo, the FedEx I got from my contact to the CIA director, it was very blunt saying that neither the president nor the director of the CIA have access to these projects. And of course, through family and other contacts and an early group of, let's call them whistleblowers who were on the inside, um, they knew I had information, so they wanted me to share it, and, and so I did so. Now, I have to say I was deeply skeptical. I thought, well, this spy master, or the CIA director, surely must have been read in, as they say, or breached on this. It turned out he, honestly to God, didn't know anything. And, in fact, had been actively blocked, as had uh, the president, one of the president's good friends, uh, Webster Hubble, who was a Department of Justice guy. So one thing led to another. Now, you have to understand, I'm working full-time as an emergency doctor with four children. At that time, I was living in Asheville, North Carolina, right next to Biltmore House and being flying up, going to Washington doing these clandestine uh, briefings uh, as a public service. So our group has always been public interest, public service group. And we've done this without pay and without support for now 30 years. But it it, it led to me discovering why and, the, you know, the how of the secrecy is difficult. The subject matter is so shrouded in myth and nonsense. Um, I mean, if you Google the subject, 99.999% of everything comes up as rubbish. Uh, but at the core of it was something quite profound, and that is, number one, the entire constitutional government of the United States and other countries had been decapitated on this issue. And and basically subverted. And secondly, what they were hiding um, were technologies. And this brings us to this uh, feature film documentary coming out on June 6th that, if it was disclosed, would completely end poverty in the world and in pollution and start a new civilization. And these are, you know, these are very high energy physics. uh, Some people call it trans dimensional physics systems, which I've studied very much in depth over the last 30 years. And those bring in what they do. They actually tap into what's called the quantum vacuum or zero point energy field that's all around us. Um, you know, and, and it gets into some of the quantum concepts of entanglement um, where every point in space and time is connected to every other. But to make it simple, just visualize that the space in the room where you're sitting, John, if you were to take a, the space inside your coffee mug or glass, there's enough latent energy in that amount of space embedded in space time to boil off all the oceans of the world. Now, that has been calculated. Now, that calculation and what have you was done in the 50s by a professor Casimir, C-A-S-I-M-E-R. It was called the Casimir Effect. Later, he called it the zero-point energy field. Uh, and physicists agree it exists. What they, what they don't know at MIT and Harvard and Chapel Hill or wherever is that, in fact, very advanced um, systems have been developed over the last 100 years, going way back to the 20s and before by Nikola Tesla, that can tap into that energy field and would give you a uh, A boundless, infinite amount of energy at zero cost and zero pollution. Now, of course, you immediately realize then why is the secrecy around UFOs? Because go look at the CNN footage and 60 Minutes on CBS and Fox News, whatever, of our Navy jets chasing that object off the coast of uh, California, the so-called Tic Tac. Mm -hmm. Number one, people don't realize that was Dowers that was Lockheed Skunk Works. It was not extraterrestrial. And number two, it has no jets, no rockets, and no atomic or nuclear power plant on board. There's no heat signature. So you immediately realize it's using a propulsion and energy system that is tapping into some sort of ambient or existing field. And that, of course, is is what Nikola Tesla stumbled across back in the nineteen earliest 20th century. But Uh, You know, so what we have are very powerful industrial interests globally then and now. It's no different now from 100 years ago, frankly, who do not want that out because you're talking hundreds of trillions of dollars in oil and gas and coal and nuclear and wind and solar and public utilities and etc. That would be Uh, Like a stagecoach, I mean, they'd be completely unnecessary. The second reason for the secrecy, a little more frightening than that even, is that the group that has controlled this would like to present, you know, pivot now and and drum up to music for the the movie Independence Day and Alien and all the others in Hollywood. Uh, a, A false flag, a threat from outer space, which absolutely doesn't exist. Now, I have pointed out that the UFOs are a dire threat to the national security but not the extraterrestrial ones, the man-made ones. And I tell people, don't take my word for this. Look at the, why the early, the second CI director, um, who was there around the time of the Roswell, famous Roswell crash and retrieval of an extraterrestrial vehicle, uh, that CI director, Admiral Roscoe Helen he wrote the New York Times in 1961, and he said, and I quote, the secrecy around UFOs is a threat to the national security. So uh, unfortunately, what happened during Eisenhower's um, administration later, like in the 56, 7, 8 period, is that a group of industrialists, military and and intelligence guys began to uh, subvert the Constitution and the president, Eisenhower. Eisenhower was getting older. He was tired after World War II. And, you know, he was was in his second term as president. And unfortunately, he lost control over those projects, is a fact. Um, And it's been out of control ever since. It is an illegal secret government program. And you know, my favorite comment on this was in the, an older, he's retired, he's passed away now, senator from Hawaii, Senator Inui, where Senator Inui said, there exists a secret government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its own funding mechanism that's above the law and free from the law itself, i.e. completely illegal and unconstitutional. Now, I, I, the reason I cite these figures in history is that there are a number of people who try to give people a, a little peek behind the curtain of what's going on here but they don't take it very far because they're intimidated mm-hmm. and threatened so our Project, the Disclosure Project, has been the lead group in the world moving this information to the public, but also trying to get members of Congress and the White House, whoever's in there, of course, it rotates every 48 years, uh, educated on the issue and begin to take action. The good news is, last year, in, right before Christmas, uh, the Congress passed and the president signed a mechanism. For us to bring in a lot of top secret whistleblowers into DC and have them give testimony uh, legally and formally, so that process is
1: ongoing, and we're very involved in in that. If you take but, two thought processes, and I've talked to Avi Loeb has been on my show, and mm-hmm. always use Avi as an example, and and what I discovered is, you know, a lot of the intellectual individuals in these these spaces, in a way have blinders on and and when i say blinders they're they're looking for discovery within their space right and they're not looking right. to see where things can connect so if you think of i reverse engineer everything and i've created this process i, I have quantum physics coming through and information coming through all the time and if you p- approach things from a discovery Mindset. Right. It's it's very hard. It's going to take longer to determine the answers. But if you can come at this from a creation mindset, let's say mm-hmm. if you if you understood, you know how the universe was created and the and everything was linear and mathematically tie that information into earth and you understand that foundation of creation, it's going to show you the wrong answers. Because I made this process of Mm -hmm. uh, using content and eliminating a bad customer or bad fan because I eliminated unconscious bias. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So when you understand to eliminate unconscious bias, I have... I have this information, I have this idea of how things were created, if you understood how the universe was created. And I've had some of this information come through, and I think it I think the universe was created mathematically structured, mathematically a certain way. If you could understand that foundation with this not give more answers of where the wrong decisions haven't been made and help someone with your journey and what you're trying to accomplish? Remember, it's all through a glass dimly,
2: because everyone thinks that they've discovered everything that exists. This is the hubris of priests and scientists and doctors and everyone else, uh, you know, we're a victim of our own. Um, What what was wonderful from the Vedas, uh, the the world is as you are. So it's well now established, and Einstein called this the spooky effect, but that the uh, universe, the cosmos, the creation is in fact a conscious quantum hologram. And every point in space and time is connected to every other. And at its root, there is a conscious element of it, a consciousness. This element to it. So it's a very complex story. Now, if, if you're strictly in a linear world of mathematics, you're not, not going to get there, um, except derivatively. But I mean, we're getting into weeds here. But what I'm saying is that this is important because when you talk to folks like Avi and others at, at Harvard, they're within a certain box. And that box is very much, um, as you said, blinders on. But the other problem with it is the compartmentalization of this kind of, kind of knowledge. Like recently, I've, I've been working a great deal with a man in washington who manages the black budget of the united states and oversees the three-letter agencies now everyone on in the united states and elsewhere would think this man would certainly have been read in or briefed on anything this important and sensitive he knew nothing about it um it was completely compartmented in an in a operation that was not being overseen by the intelligence committees or the white house national security people if you don't know what you don't know until you something is open to you. And this is not like open scientific discovery when you're dealing with this kind of complex issue. Um, if it was just a scientific problem, the science of this has been settled, by the way, long time ago, 50s, 60s, the propulsion systems, the energy systems, non-locality, quantum entanglement, that's all settled and was discovered and reverse engineered and done But not long around the time I was born. In fact, we had electrogravitic, so-called anti-gravity, a propulsion and energy systems. Uh, October 1954 was when we mastered gravity control. We have people who've been in the, quote, intelligence vault and have seen the documentation. So I think that the problem is if you're the top physicist in the world at Harvard, MIT, and Caltech, it isn't really going to matter. Because you have not been privy to those breakthroughs. And this is one of the real, I call this the the big cosmic brain drain that's happened. Because uh, people have not been allowed to know even the fundamentals of the science that were being worked out in classified, very tightly held projects uh, beginning in the 40s up through now. And this means that the world in our country has been deprived of an enormous amount of knowledge. And much of it not just theoretical hoo-ha. And we're talking the fundamentals of how we live as a people on this planet, which is rapidly uh, cannibalizing and destroying the planet. But forget that, even if you don't give anything to care about the Earth and the environment, there are three billion people on the planet who have nothing to eat uh, except what they can scrub up. And they're cooking it, by the way, by cutting down rainforests and and desert shrubs. That's three billion with a B. This was just in The Economist last year. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's an enormous uh, existential crisis for our civilization, uh, and much of it is completely unnecessary and artificial. It's a construct, and it ha- it it is rooted, quite frankly in something that most people giggle about ufos extraterrestrial intelligence etc uh, and the reason the cia began to engage disney back in the in the 50s to make cartoons about this was because they wanted it to be the subject of ridicule and kooks and silliness and they succeeded and so the public is very unfortunately, easily influenced through these sort of psychological warfare campaigns. I mean, if you doubt it, go back and look at what we did with COVID. And on top of that, before that, after 9-11, where they concocted fake evidence so we could go into Iraq, even though Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11. And that's been well proven. That's settled fact. Uh, Even, you know, Colin Powell, who was Secretary of State and had been the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, He and his chief of staff had admitted they were played uh, by uh, Dick Cheney and his minions, into uh forcing the country into this catastrophe these are huge issues that go way beyond you know theoretical counting angels on the the tip of a a pen a needle uh, you know by uh, academics uh and i think that we need to make this uh something that the public understands what the implications of it are now the science of it is very elegant and very interesting although you know it's very difficult, I think, for most people who have been educated, even in quantum physics, uh, and their attempts to understand what's called quantum gravity, uh, wormholes, and the like, uh, to kind of accept the fact that that was settled research back in the 50s and 60s. Do we just settle for that? If I look, I'm in- not. That's why right. I left my me- look, <laughs> dude. I left my medical career and have given up over 12 million dollars in income. Yeah and and my own savings to get to fix this problem so yeah i mean most people are going to settle for it the presidents that we've gotten this information to have walked away because they're scared shitless excuse my language no it's a very big problem but it isn't going to be fixed by wishful thinking either so this is why you know we have to educate ourselves and the public about it that's why this documentary film is going to pull the whole curtain back on 100 years of this what's been kept secret how it's been kept secret why it's been kept secret and how do we fix it you know the subtitle of the film is how to reclaim this lost century and there is a a strategy that that where i think it would work if we all pulled together uh to make this come forward the other problem however is more uh institutional uh political uh, financial etc because you know you're dealing with a macroeconomic you know the whole global economic situation that needs to take a, a big turn away from its current direction. But the ones who are stakeholders, I mean, let's say you, you control a trillion dollar oil field somewhere. It, it, this is not great news for you because that oil will only in the future be used for plastics and things like that, not energy, which means you only need less than 1% of it or, or something like that. So I think that this becomes a a big issue that becomes financial and then political and institutional. Uh, And uh, the worst, I think, collusion, if you will, in keeping the secrecy going has been the uh, media. The mainstream media, which we have clear documentation and Air Force, a top secret Air Force guy who admits that, you know, he would carry bags of cash to national security editors uh, at media to get them to kill these stories on this subject. Mm-hmm. So this is the, uh, you know, there are a bunch of myths that Americans live under. We have a free press. No, we don't. We have a free market. No, we don't. It's a managed market. <laughs> we have a constitutional Republican democracy. No, we don't. We did. Um, there are a whole lot of like fundamental problems that people take and it's a lot of it people are believing their own pr they want to believe that you know all is right in the world and god is in his heaven but you know the the reality is that we're in a very serious crisis everybody knows it you can feel it in their bones if they're sentient at all however People don't know what to do about it. I think the reason we're doing this particular film right now and a few days after it releases and in Washington, D.C. on uh, June 10th, 11th and 12th, we're doing a big disclosure of all this information with a a whole new wave of top secret whistleblowers coming forward at the National Press Club. And you're all invited to come and view it. If you can't be there, you can view it online, and hopefully you'll send your links out. And what we're trying to do with that is put that information out so it encourages the people who are in the Congress to step up the pace of their inquiry into this. You know, we just had 12 senators write to the Pentagon complaining that they weren't moving quickly enough. And these are, that's one sixth of the U.S. Senate almost. So, and we have that letter. Uh, which people can see. And there are other people in the House wanting to, to do this. Uh, the, the White House military folks that I'm dealing with are also keen on trying to find out, get to the bottom of this. But most of them don't know where to begin. Like, you know, the folks, like, like you mentioned, uh, Mr. Loeb, uh, Dr. Loeb, he, you know, he's not been read in uh, to these and he's not going to be. Uh, mm. Now, the good news is the project that I direct, the disclosure project, now has uh, 750 whistleblowers that we've identified. All of those are going to be handed over for eventually uh, to come forward. And um, many of them, uh, they go back all the way, some of them, involvement in, in the, in the 50s, 60s, 50s. They're very elderly. Some are quite recent in commands and in corporations, particularly Raytheon and Lockheed, Northrop, and uh, a few others. So uh, I think that what has to happen is that this has to come out in an orderly fashion. And the constitutional government and the people here and other countries have to say, We want to have this information, we're entitled to it, and we would like to see at least the first phase of these technologies released. Why would I be the first phase, meaning something that would run your car? not Mm -hmm. like a tesla where you have to plug it into the coal-fired power grid Mm -hmm. um but actually a device that would be a generator electromagnetic generator that run the engine um and would uh, the startup on it would be a little small maybe three volt battery uh and you would never have to plug it in because there are no battery systems that run down this so-called um, zero point or quantum vacuum energy. Some call it free energy. Tesla call it the infinite energy field. Um, those those systems should have been begun to come out in the twenties. Um, and if they had, we wouldn't be facing this disaster. Both social, politically, and economically in poverty around the world. And that kind of extreme poverty of have and have-nots leads to all kinds of uh, geopolitical instability and unrest. But we also would not have had any of the damage to the environment that we've seen over the last hundred years. Now. I think it can be reversed. What's, what I find very exciting in looking at the, the whole array of these technologies that I've been, uh, briefed on and, and dealt with scientists who worked on them is that even the pollution we've created up to and including nuclear and radi- radioactive can be reversed. The technologies exist to clear cleanse and fix that. So I, I tell people and particularly young people, this is all very, very good news that that these technologies are extant and, and can be brought forward. The bad news obviously is that you're dealing with an uh, you know an eight
1: thousand pound gorilla. <laughs> it doesn't want it out. This is the rationale I came up with of, you know, when we're born, mm-hmm. you know, our subconscious being programmed. is like a computer. And then we get into a certain point in life, we respond with our unconscious bias. And based on right. heavy that programming is and that's from your vibrations you know that you experience that's why people can't get to consciousness so if you look at it from a improving a human life perspective if we're able to tap into this source would it slow down the vibrations because if you understand vibrations and what that does to time aging and everything else maybe that's why the source is there you know because if if we quit making this side that we're living in now and we go over here and use the side that you want to use would the vibrations not decrease which would help humanity uh, as a whole is that kind of it breaking it down in a way?
2: But I'm not sure what you're trying to what put I'm out there. What I'm
1: saying is the more vibrations we create, it speeds mm-hmm. things up. If we're tapping into this energy source, would it slow down that creation that's going to make less vibrational field? on this side, which creates, you know, speeds up the aging process, speeds up, you know, the earth around us. That's why we're having the problems we have. You know what I'm saying? Is this energy source going to slow that vibration down, which is going to give a better life for humanity
2: on every level? on every level because look at me you're saying vibration but most people are going to relate more specifically to the fact that millions of people die from just breathing particulate matter in the air from us burning stuff mm-hmm. exhaust so you can say that's a vibration if you want to call it it's a, you can call it pollution um i i try to stay very practical you know it's not that i'm not <laughs> into metaphysics but i'm I, you know i'm a doctor and a scientist so yeah Uh, But, but, you know, it more appropriately to talk about frequencies as frequencies. yeah, yeah. Yeah. but when you're dealing with these sort of energy systems, uh, if they're, you know, they're very life supporting, in fact, ironically, if you were to walk into a hangar where one of these man-made UFOs is floating, because we have people on my team who've been in there, the temperature actually goes down. So instead of there being, uh, heating and waste stuff, it actually is more ordered, uh, it, it's very interesting because it's not just that the consciousness would evolve rapidly. Why? Because when people are not in a polluted, filthy environment and stressed out trying to eke out a nominal living, which here in the United States, even the people who are on uh, public assistants are wealthy or middle class compared to most of the world you know go travel i tell people americans should go to places um the poorest people in america uh, would be considered middle class In much of the world they're not having to cut down brushes to cook their food which is three billion of eight billion people the point i make is that american narcissism narcissism notwithstanding um if you really look at this whole world which we're on this planet floating through space together uh liberating us from an 1800s paradigm of early industrial smokestacks and what have you to a a system that isn't killing things in fact i always have said the world around us is a reflection of our level of consciousness which is very destructive and the the technologies we have are all very destructive i mean we're we're talking on this system right here which puts out radiation but also is using fossil fuels for 88% of our electricity um, that's damaging the air we breathe and the water we drink and the land and the crops and the food we we consume. So I think that when you look at that, you realize that, you know, all of this basically comes down to what the human conscious uh, collectively wants to achieve and do. Uh, and why is it that people are happy with a status quo that is leading to uh, an extinction-level event, destruction? So when the solutions exist, now, most people don't know those solutions exist. They don't know the science. of it. Certainly, the professors at Harvard and MIT and Caltech and what have you don't. Uh, And frankly, they think they know everything, and for that reason, they're not even going to consider it. It's not in their textbook, and they didn't put it in their thesis, and therefore it doesn't exist. Uh, they're not real science. Real scientists, you know, take Nikola Tesla. They're gonna actually go into what the truth of the universe is. And that's why, you know, when the reporters asked Einstein, what's it like being a genius? He says, I would know, go ask Nikola Tesla. Most <laughs> people <Unless laughs> don't realize that. It, it's very interesting. Uh, but I think this is why we have to look at it as a, a, a it is rooted, I believe, ultimately a, in a conscious field What is our consciousness as a people? And what do we want for ourselves and our children? In my case, I now have 12 grandchildren. Um, My grandchildren are the ages my children were when I started this effort. So I look at it as a multi-generational effort to transform away from a path of destruction to a path of healing and living in harmony with the earth and yet i'm not talking about living in caves or or living like in ancient times Mm -hmm. we could have an extremely high-tech advanced abundant civilization and at the same time have no That is what we have to present because no one wants to go back to, you know, you know, living uh, like cavemen. On the other hand, uh, we can't stay the way we are. You know, my Cherokee ancestors, my grandmother was Cherokee, uh, of just uh, going in and viewing everything as separate and tearing everything apart and just endlessly raping and destroying everything. So we have to find a better path. And there is. So luckily, there have been these wonderful Uh, wondrous discoveries over the last 100 years, Uh, but unfortunately, very corrupt and powerful interests have made sure they've been kept secret. And I will be very direct in saying, I mean, I've been dealing this week with three of our whistleblowers facing existential death threats and things of this sort um and so you know i I'm, I'm having to deal with some very difficult practical things right now john so i mean i you know excuse me for not wanting to indulge in endless philosophical banter um i i'm no, not it. at the place right now i mean i'm dealing with some really seriously terrible situations um being quite honest with you um so now you know all this other stuff. I you know I became interestingly before I was a doctor, I became a meditation teacher because I became uh, so interested in consciousness and the, the evolution of consciousness, and uh, that was a result of the fact that right before I had this major contact experience with these this ET group, uh, I had uh, I was very sick, and when I was seventeen, about six months earlier, and I died. I had a near death experience, mm-hmm. um, which, which I found you know quite. Uh, my, my family were all atheists, agnostic, didn't believe anything that wouldn't in a test tube sort of people. This experience taught me they were quite wrong. <laughs> that mm-hmm. the reductionist view of everything was not correct and that the the, the consciousness uh the sort of the the infinite conscious field is, is actually where everything emanates from and and this is why when people come together there is a group and a movement and an effort things can change very rapidly much more than just a few individuals which is the value of heart to heart education because then that's you know i grew up in the 60s with the civil right movement i'm old enough to remember. Segregated water fountains at the store where my father worked. I was uh, hit by, run over by a car in high school because I had a black girlfriend in Mm -hmm. North Carolina. Or you're too young to remember those days, I suspect. But uh, thank God that's not an everyday occurrence now. But uh, I do point out to people that these sort of big. Changes that can be very positive happen when people come together with a higher purpose. And um, there, and what is that? Well, a lot of people study field consciousness, the effect of people coming together. And I think as soon as enough people realize what is. Really, the truth about this subject of UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, and the energy systems that run the UFOs—they're going to go. Whoa! Wait a minute. We want to. We, we want to change off of the path we're on now onto this other one. But it is an educational process, and um, not only for the general public, which the, the documentary film is for, but also when I do briefings for people in Washington. It's. It's. I won't say who, but I, let me just give you a short list of the people I briefed who have been denied access to these projects. Besides the CIA director, the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is like the CIA for the Pentagon, the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, members of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, members of the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee, the presidents and the presidential staff and friends of uh, the head of the united nations the ministers of defense of canada and united kingdom and australia and, and i can go on now the problem with that is that those folks who are ostensibly leaders what are they leading there it's the blind leading the blind because they've been left out of, of th- this information by illegal secret government projects that went rogue in the 50s. Mm-hmm. If this isn't fixed, we're looking at our civilization facing an extinction level event in the coming years. Um, so, I think we're going to have to, you know, get serious about this and the, you know, the bony head academics are going to have to take a back seat for a
1: little bit. The right word be oh, like a symb- symbiotic uh, energy. Would that be the right word of what this is? Because it's going to put you sure. in a symbiotic way of life. I uh, understand that. And, sure. When you talk about practicality, I couldn't imagine being a pioneer with this now that I get it more, talking to you and understand the depth of it. So I applaud you for that. That's a big deal. Being the lead on this and and someone's got to plant a seed somewhere to get that started. Uh, Intelligence and everything else could move a lot quicker if they could get to where you want to go. Well, it would. I
2: mean, the other thing, even the neuroscience studies and epigenetics studies if you if if you're scientifically oriented when people for example meditate uh it unlocks certain genes that we used to call junk dna that's not um people's iqs go up so what happens when a civilization goes from a sort of a a a grubbing materialistic um terminal civilization like we are now where there's infinite energy abundance no poverty in a generation diseases are, are assured. They really will be. And there is enough uh, time and focus to pursue what it means to be an advanced intelligent life form, sentient human. I think you're going to see such a huge advancement in human civilization, that in a hundred years, it would eclipse the previous 10,000. But so we have to make it over this chasm. Uh, and it's difficult because I'll never forget being with Lawrence Rockefeller, uh, who's, whose brother was David Rockefeller, Chase Manhattan, South J.P. Morgan Chase, and, you know, the Rockefeller family, of course, oil, standard oil, became Exxon right. Mobil, et cetera. But he was a huge supporter of what we were trying to do. He was very elderly. And it was a couple months before I briefed the CIA director. And he took me out at night on this deck uh, with a Native American on horseback. uh, It's a Remington. Of course, they have all the originals. Looking up at the stars, and it was this beautiful, poignant moment. He turned to me. He said, you know, Dr. Greer, if this comes out, no aspect of life on Earth will be unchanged. So vast are the implications. I said, yes, Lawrence. That's why it's been kept so secret. Now, to most people who care about most of humanity this is a very good thing but if you are goldman sachs and if you are jp morgan chase and if you are exxonmobil etc and so on you know there are these multi-trillion dollar transnational conglomerates um this is not very good news and i had a, recently i was consulting with a very large mutual fund director who they managed about two trillion dollars and he was picking my brain of how to get ready for this i say because it's not if this is going to happen it's when and when it does half your portfolio will be a penny stock so um you know and and so this gets into some very complex problems uh and they were more complex now than if it had been fixed when i recommended that the president clinton fix it in in the 90s but he was basically pushed aside and threatened and so and there wasn't there wasn't a critical mass in congress to pursue it now there is um it's very hard to get to have this fall on the the, president the president's shoulder as one man but if there's also the other branch of government the congress i mean the judicial wing is not yet involved but i think may get involved um by the way, any great lawyers listening, we may institute a civilian RICO suit, racketeering influence corrupt organization, because we can now prove through the witnesses we have whistleblowers that this is a the world's largest uh, basically corrupt organization keeping this secret um you're gonna have to have Don't some, you think some it's time? i mean it's it's time because oh I- yeah we wanted to do this in 93 my friend look th- th- i've been doing this 33 years yeah we we this is what we recommended to the president in 1993 <laughs> um now although that would have been done a department of justice rico suit um but I think that in order for this to get fixed, if we have any chance as a people going forward without losing billions of us, right? Not to scare the hell out of people. But, um, we're going to have to come together and realize that this is not the stuff of cartoons and idiotic UFO internet stuff. Uh, this is a matter of the gravest national security and, and implications for the future. And it affects every man, woman and child, not just in America, but on the planet. Uh, it, the secrecy is killing the planet and destroying the body of humanity. The, the, the disclosure of this would actually heal the planet, literally, and release the potential of humanity, the human potential. So I think this is why, uh, if it was just, it, I always joke, this is not about little gray men or little green men or, or aliens. This is about humans. Mm-hmm. And these extraterrestrial civilizations are watching, uh, perhaps sometimes doing some things behind the scenes so we don't go to DEFCON 1 and blow the whole system up. Uh, defense Condition One, where you launch nuclear missiles. Um, but it, and there have been some interventions along those lines over the few decades. But I think that for the most part, the uh, those civilizations that are interstellar, they know the ball's in our port. Um We have to, this is our planet, and we have to try to fix it. But most people have to have enough knowledge and information to begin to know really what the approach on this is. Mm-hmm. In the meanwhile, the most dangerous thing that's happening isn't anything I've talked about. It's the fact that, and we have uh, people coming forward on uh, in June 10th, 11th, and 12th in Washington. Like Anyone really interested in this needs to come to that or at least get online and see it. Um, who have knowledge of very advanced science technologies. Neutrino light, active and passive systems, a scalar, longitudinal, electromagnetic systems that are way faster than the speed of light, uh, conventional light speed, uh, that have been weaponized, that track and target these extraterrestrial vehicles and hit them and down them. We have in our uh, research archive 119 incidences where we have downed extraterrestrial vehicles and killed their occupants. Um, so, you know, this is very dangerous nonsense going on. Uh, and I always tell people, all the kooks in the, in, 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 on the alien subject thinking that, uh, you know, they're here to attack us. I said, look, if you're if you're several hundred thousand years more advanced technologically than we are, and certainly than we were in 1940s. If they were really of that consciousness, we would have been shut down immediately. The instant we detonated the first atomic bomb, why? Because everyone knows when an electromagnetic pulse is, it goes out from an atomic blast. What they don't know is that there is a scalar, longitudinal signal that goes out that literally disrupts space-time and interstellar communication and uh, transportation. So that's why when we started doing that, the skies over every one of our atomic facilities, uranium mines, nuclear missile sites were actually being surveilled by extraterrestrial vehicles um, because we, we, humans, are an existential threat to elsewhere. But it isn't by a, a Star Wars boom, boom, shoot them up with a laser at the speed of light. We're talking about technologies that involve the entangled quantum cosmos that are, have been highly weaponized. Now, neither the president nor the Congress has been read in on those. And most of the people in the Pentagon, the secret group that has this are the best word would be sociopaths. And I think some of them are psychopaths. Um, And it's it's out of control has been out of control for decades um so this is another huge problem everyone's always look everyone's always fighting the last war they're looking in the rearview mirror they're not yeah. looking ahead and and so we need to have people sort of understand what the threat matrix is of the secrecy around this subject and honestly all of this was known by 1961 when the early cia director Morasco hillenkater admiral Hillenketer said the secrecy around ufos is a threat to the national security. He mm-hmm. did not say the UFOs were. And uh, at that point, we had only recently had the breakthroughs where we had man-made UFOs. Now, I will tell your audience about 70, 80% of the objects that people call a UFO are not of extraterrestrial origin. They're ours. They're my uncle's company's Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, uh, Lockheed Skunk Works, et cetera. Um, do we, do we
1: know who to communicate with? I mean, is there is there good and bad? You know, and I think somehow... Oh, we know yeah. who to communicate. Yeah, we've
2: been... Look, the core project I run yeah. is CE, CE5 content. And we have had several thousand people, uh, several million people. And I personally have led several thousand hours of expeditions making contact with these yeah. civilizations. And there's not a, a scintilla of evidence that any of them are quote unquote bad or hostile. Now, what's interesting, we've just uncovered through uh, a, a, a log entry by Dr. Jacques Vallée, an astrophysicist, uh, he had a cameo appearance in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind back in the 70s, that he is in possession of a 1985 CIA document that describes the agency conducting Alien abductions, fake alien abductions for their quote, psychological warfare value. I also have an Air Force Office special investigations guy who's come forward on videotape, you'll see it, who has stated point blank, yes, we are doing that. So what the, I'll tell you this: a little knowledge on this subject is an extremely dangerous thing because I would I will affirm that over ninety percent of everything out there on this subject has been embedded in the media and the internet and is false information disinformation or its psychological warfare value one of the documents we uncovered or was sent to me after i briefed the cia director was an early cia director named walter bedell smith 1953 and in it it was a letter to the psychological review board of the cia talking about it, it, the same language that was in that 1985 document about us conducting uh, alien abductions or, or faking them in argentina and brazil this particular document was saying we were doing this in other countries also and uh same thing with the cattle mutilations those were all covert uh, uh black projects um so those were done because they want people to believe there is a threat why because This military, industrial, fascist junta can then seize power over all the people of the world, not just one axis, like the Cold War or World War II. And that's actually been the 70-year defense plan that is very, very covert by this group. Uh, I have a member of my team who has seen that document, uh, and now we're coming to the very end of the road. We're coming to the very end of that uh, process. So it's this is a critical juncture we're at right now it it really is a critical point in our history uh and you know if they were to pull a stunt like that you know i had a man who came to our um briefings for congress way back in the 90s uh it was off site Mm -hmm. it wasn't sponsored by the congress it was people being invited um and it was a man who had been on an interagency committee back in the 70s where he says look we can hit a button boom and these things that are the man-made ufos boom they go up Things could happen. It would look like an alien attack. He says everyone from the president on down would be convinced we were being attacked like War of the Worlds. He says that, that and that capability had been there a long time before I was in that command. So we have people who have operationally or tactically been involved with that. It's a very disturbing story, uh, but remember, most people are too too young to remember that the Vietnam War was boosted by us staging and hoaxing the attack on our own navy vessels in the Gulf of Tonkin in the 60s and the public outrage was so high that it caused johnson president johnson to stampede into a vast escalation of the vietnam war which of course was a quagmire um and, and this is the sort of thing these manipulative sociopaths do but but they benefit a great deal financially uh and in terms of geopolitical power i think we have to learn to be very skeptical i i the conventional information you get over the news media and on social media i tell people just be very skeptical
1: so there's a lot of bullshit I mean I think we it I, is. we've run I think well when I when I think about its time is because we run out of narrative and I you know I've right. said, you know I've said this thing is we feed you know I think we've culturally as the whole world feeds off what they see instead right. of, instead of doing what you're doing create you know if you feed off what you see you continue to create more opinions. More controversy, but if you create a new idea with new with new you know a new idea in a new environment, you don't have opinions, you don't have as much controversy. So I think it's right. creating that environment with a new idea uh, and eliminating all the nonsense down here. Because, um, like I said, there's no more narratives you can do, and it's it's crazy to me that you have um, that the dichotomy of that right, that you're right. dealing with. When you're talking to the sources that can get you think that can get things done, are not getting it done. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, well, remember, all great changes in civilization
2: have never happened from the center of power. They've happened from outside the center of power. And this is why yeah, I lived down the road here from Thomas Jefferson's home, Monticello. We the people. Because Why? Because it's the effect of the people. And it, it, there's such power in consciousness and action. The civil rights movement didn't come from edicts from the Kennedy brothers. They were dragged screaming and kicking into it. It was done by grassroots. Uh, same thing with women's rights, uh, rights for gay people. Um, the uh, people were trying to bring out new technologies. I Here at University of Virginia, there was a medical doctor who discovered there was a bacterium causing many of the oh, bad, worse ulcers. And he was run out of the medical establishment because it ran against what the conventional wisdom of the academics and the pharmaceutical companies and were saying. It turned out he was 100% correct. Now he's working in Australia. But it was one of the biggest discoveries in the treatment of peptic ulcer disease. It's a, a H. pylori bacterium. And you use some doxycycline, it gets rid of it, and your ulcer is healed. In fact, now it's medical malpractice, not to test for it. But, you know, all big changes happen from people who, you know, are, have to go up against an established narrative that is resisted and fought. But I just think people need to understand that's how all great changes in civil... I mean, the, 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 the when we try to separate from King George in the American Revolution, it was a ragtag group, it was unfunded, whatever, but they had another vision to create a place that would be free from that kind of tyranny. So I think this is exactly what has to happen. Um, and I think a big part is going to come if you, in the, the next few years where native peoples of America and their descendants are going to get very involved with this because there's a, a, deep, a deep ecological and conscious message, and I will say spiritual message, at the root of, of, of what we're trying to do with this movement and this change.
1: When you talk about energy, I haven't said this, but I have heavy energy coming out in my right hand. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've came into probably in the past, heavy the past three or four years uh in both sides of my my brain work at the same time too is something i didn't realize was an oddity oh it is yeah but when you think about that i think the intentions of humans everybody's both sides of their brain are supposed to work when you think about you're a symbiotic energy you're talking about symbiotic as a human being and even if you look at da vinci when he did the uh, vitruvian sure. Yeah. Obviously, there's the, a thread that's been going on for thousands of years, and, and we're here. I, I do think the bell has rung, and I hope you know everything you're trying to accomplish is, is achieved. I tell people uh, it's not what I'm trying to
2: accomplish. It's all of us together need to do it, and that's why we need people's help and their support. By the way, this documentary was crowdfunded. All of our educational films are crowdfunded by donations. Um, we have a, all volunteer people. Uh, we don't have an office or staff or anything like that. It's just uh, it's this labor of love. Uh, my wife and I work on this out of a corner of our living room. Wow. And yet it's become this global uh, operation. So we need people's help. And I hope people will um, uh, give a look at this documentary. And if they can, uh, come to the National Press Club event with us. We need a big showing there. And if people, if you drop the link, if they can send it on to everyone they know, because then we're going to be able to get a lot of people who can't be there in person to see it online. uh, And that will cause a consciousness shift. So it's all about networking with folks like you. And I appreciate your help.
1: That is the documentary called The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It right. on June 6, thousand twenty three. Yep. You know, send us the link. We'll we'll get it out to all, all our people on our network.
2: Yeah, actually it's it's available on a pre order now. So people can okay. begin to do that. Yep. And uh and also they can register for the conference in DC right now. So that, that link is available.
1: Nice. Well yep. I appreciate I'd love to talk to you more off. Uh, yeah, let's do it again. It. Maybe, you know, uh, hey, you're not that far from
2: uh, D.C. Drive on up. Come on up. Cool. Be good well, to see a North Carolinian there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck. All right. Thank you team. so much. All right, sir. This has been Dr. Greer, and I'm John edmonds Cosmo, the CEO of Bang Production.